I essentially had no experience writing ad copy. I didn't know how to speak to customers on Facebook. I pretty much had no experience. And the product, sometimes a product is so good, it can sell itself, right? And, you know, when you're first starting out in dropshipping, people do sometimes strike lucky. Like there are people that don't have any copywriting skills, but Sometimes a product is so good, it will literally do the talking essentially for you, right? So no matter what your ad copy is, you know, as long as it's not frigging insulting or anything like that, you know, as long as it's something basic, but it works, the product can sell itself. You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. Otis Coleman, aka Ecom Wizard, brother to previous guest Harry Coleman, raises an interesting observation. Despite being siblings, and the above average amount of commonalities that go with it, there are still numerous differences in their approach to the industry. In this episode, we touch on some unique challenges in dropshipping, such as setting up shop in under 24 hours, case studies, and maximizing returns on a small budget. Enjoy. Otis Coleman, aka the Ecom Wizard, it is great to have you on Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast. Thank you for being here, and how's it going? Hey, thank you for having me, man. It is a great day today. I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, Today is definitely an interesting day. Uh, We're recording this the day that the U.S. election is supposed to be done, but uh, the things that go on down there are chaotic, to put it mildly. So the the vibe today is is really unlike anything else, and we're just going to roll with that vibe. So yeah, that's uh, that's how I'm doing. Yeah, sir. I mean, um, yeah, with the whole election thing, I know it's a little bit delayed right now. I'm not really in the USA, so it's not going to affect me too much. But yeah, I have been keeping up and been a little bit intrigued by it, so to speak. And I'm currently, I've been checking like maybe every few hours to see who's winning um, mm-hmm. or who's going to win. But yeah, for now, I'm, I'm taking a break from it. My, my pitch for the US is that maybe next time they should settle this in a wrestling match. Just <laughs> kind of get into the ring and just duke it out. I don't know. Uh, it, it's probably going to be about as entertaining. Anyways, so first question that we got to ask, it's very important for our audience just to get acquainted with you. Tell us who you are and what you do. So I am a full-time dropshipper from the UK. I do dropshipping, you know, what it says on the tin for full-time. It's my job. Um, and essentially, we ship products from China. We do a, create our own site, you know, branding and put a markup on it and then sell it online on platforms like Facebook, um, Twitter, social media, Google, and all of those types of things. But yeah, I've been doing it for around three to four years now and had some profitable stores. So yeah, that is me. One thing that I do hear from, from dropshippers is that Dropshipping is their way to kind of like they get their capital and then they and then they move forward. So, do you see dropshipping yeah. as being like your main uh, your main pursuit for a while, or do you have vision for like anywhere you want to move to uh, in the future? Um, well, dropshipping has kind of evolved over the past few years. I mean, when I first started dropshipping, it was a lot easier to do. There was a lot less people, you know, in around, I think it was around maybe 2017, Facebook ad costs were obviously a lot less because, you know, Facebook marketing for dropshippers was still kind of a new thing. It wasn't new, new, but, you know, there wasn't uh, obviously as, as saturated as it is now. And I mean, as time's kind of progressed, obviously there's been more and more problems, you know, it's like payment processor reserves and stuff like that. 
Dropshipping in itself, the actual model, dropshipping is simply just you selling a product and instead of you shipping it directly from yourself, it will be shipped from a supplier. So for me personally, I don't think the dropshipping model as such is going to go anywhere over the next 10 years because there's businesses on eBay, Amazon, you know, people have probably mm-hmm. bought products before that they don't even know have been dropshipped. But dropshipping directly from AliExpress to, you know, the United States or something, that is kind of um, slowly phasing out just because of how long, you know, AliExpress itself takes to actually ship the product. And, you know, over time, customers are kind of becoming aware now that it becomes from, that it's coming from China and it ends up taking, you know, 30 to 40 days. So a lot of the things people like myself are now doing is, you know, getting involved in like Chinese dropshipping agents and using like faster lines than what was before to get it to the USA or UK in like, you know, nine to 12 days. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because you were saying that like some people, they, they'll order something they not realize that it was drop shipped. And that was definitely me before uh, <laughs> I was brought on to the, the Beautify company. But what I will say is that my first inclination that something was up was uh, back when I had my longer hair. For a while, they were selling this product. It was these combs that you would run through your hair and it would straighten it. And I thought, oh, I think I've seen that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, so I order it. And the package that I received was so far removed from the branding online, I, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. Uh, the, the, the instructions were all in like English, and I'm saying that G-R-I-S-H. Like, uh, yes, yes, plug in, happy, five minutes, uh, heat, uh, be careful, though. Like, it was so it was so off, it was so awry. I'm like, oh, I don't know, what's, what's going on here? Yeah, so, definitely. Been uh, but shit. even so, I still thought that they, were, they had their own warehouse. You know, like, okay, this is still their product. But yeah, it probably was drop shipped. Yeah, I mean, uh, dropshipping nowadays is a lot more common than you think. It cuts down on so many costs, so you don't have to actually own, a, you know, back in the day, you'd have to own a physical warehouse. If someone was setting up a business, they'd pretty much have a physical storefront, you know, as you would, you know, a shop on the high street. And then you'd also have to have some sort of storage within that high street shop or a warehouse where you store your stock. Um, and it was a very, very costly process. You know, no one would think, um, about setting up, you know, to set up something like that would cost 70, 80, you know, $50,000 or 50,000 pounds if you're in the UK. Whereas now you can literally start with as much as, you know, $1,000 or a thousand pounds to get started. You don't need a physical storefront because it's all online now. Facebook accounts you can literally get for totally free and you just pay for Facebook marketing. And also you don't have to hold a specific inventory anywhere or order, you know, bulk stock up front because you're literally just buying the stock as and when you need it. So yeah, very, very efficient business model. Is it the best business model in terms of longevity? Probably like you said, um, there are some kind of restrictions to that. For me personally, dropshipping, I don't want to be dropshipping forever. Um, Mm -hmm. Like you said previously, I mean, for me personally, it's just more of a capital builder. Once you've got the capital, then you know your goals are really to go into branding, which is having a physical product that people buy into. For example, like Apple, you know you can see the mm-hmm. kind of cult-like development they've made an audience <laughs> whereby any anytime they drop an iPhone, you know the world goes crazy. Which is you know the branding side, or you can obviously go into like building assets as well, like. Property as well is something I'm currently getting into. So, you know, investing in buy-to-lets and stuff like that. And then also investing in stocks um, that pretty much just grow, you know, year on year. You know, I'll I'll tell you a quick story about Apple because there was one point where I wanted to um, 
uh, to work for the company and I got so far as to their uh, their interview process. Now, mm-hmm. you might think that it's like, oh, sit, sit down, tell us about your stuff. No, 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 no. There's a lot of people that are uh, applying to get into Apple. So yeah. I ended up at a Holiday Inn, a, a hotel chain here in North America. Yeah, we have Holiday Inn. Oh, okay, right on. And I'm in a conference room with probably about 100 other people. Wow. And 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 then of course uh, the the big screen comes on and then there's all this uh, there's this video about you know working for Apple and then I just remember that there was that commercial they did about 1984 where there was a room of a bunch of people sitting and watching like a face on the screen and I thought well wow, this has come full circle hasn't it so just <laughs> the fact that you refer to them as a cult I'm like yeah yeah I could uh, yeah I could totally yeah. see that yeah. Apple's crazy man the the kind of demand and stuff they create for their products it's like literally the pinnacle of you know branded and stuff like this it's, it's insane like the amount of people who just they feel like they need the next iphone as mm-hmm. soon as it drops year on year you re- in reality you don't but you know the type of branding and psychological tricks and stuff they've done over the years is is crazy yeah i mean i i had a blackberry passport for like five years and then i just up- upgraded last year to like a, a samsung phone and the difference in functionality was <laughs> amazing so if it's just about uh chasing a, a, a high m- m- my people the longer you wait, the better the high is. So just mm. keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, the other thing I want to touch on too, because you just talked about the difference in business models. One of the places I used to work for, it was it's a family-owned business, and I don't want to talk about exactly what they sold because I don't want to like harangue them anything like that. But they, they, they stocked a lot of product that they couldn't really sell, say for one particular time of the year. Let's just yeah. say it was Valentine's Day. And year after year, they would have to haul all of the stuff out of a warehouse where it was all being kept, uh, loaded up into like a temporary pop-up store for the season, mm. sell whatever they could, haul all of it back. And there were some products that they just couldn't sell year after yeah. year, but they couldn't, they didn't want to throw it in the trash. And so he would have to pay to have it stored in a warehouse, pay to have it transported a uh, year after year, stock it. And, you know, maybe, maybe a few of them would sell, but really for the most part, it, there just wasn't enough movement and it prevented him from being able to invest in new product because he only had so much physical space for it. Yeah. That's literally, that literally explains, you know, the, the number one problem, um, that occurred maybe a few years ago where people couldn't online selling wasn't, you know, obviously online selling was a thing like eBay and, you know, Amazon has always been around for, you know, the past 10 years or so, but within kind of the past five years or so, um, dropshipping has just exploded. Like if you look at Google trends, like the graph has literally twofolded. It's, it's insane. The amount of growth, even in lockdown alone, um, thousands and millions of people have now joined into the dropshipping kind of community. It's just, because like you said, like that person, whoever you were on about, you know, they had to pay. It's it's such a costly process to hold stock and then have to shift it around. There's no easy way to get around it. Whereas if you can literally have stock on demand and not have to pay any inventory fees and stuff. Yeah, really, really accessible to, you know, the variety of public. You know, I haven't asked this question in a while. I think the last time I asked it was like my second interview with the with the Ecom King, uh, Camille Sitar. And it was a concern that you know, he, he, he alleviated it, but I'm going to ask you anyways, just because I, I just want to get your take on it. The, the ratio of you know, sellers to buyers, I think the more people start to see this, this market opportunity, the more people who want to get into it. Mm. And it almost makes you wonder you know, what's going to happen to doctors and, and lawyers and, and truck drivers and people who take up other professions. So like, do you see, what would you see would be like the ideal ratio of, uh, of sellers to buyers? With regards to what, like how many people are in coming into dropshipping versus how many people are actually buying dropshipping products? 
Yeah, exactly, or, exactly. Um, I mean, I don't really have an exact figure. I mean, if you're talking about, like you said, jobs and stuff like that, I mean, I don't think at the minute dropshipping has gained that much. Like, it's obviously gained traction, but I don't think it's been like sure. a worldwide kind of phenom where people are like, oh my gosh, I need to drop out of university. I need to, you know, instead of becoming a doctor, I'm going to dropship. Obviously for, you know, it seems online because everyone, you know, Instagram nowadays is everyone stunting or showing off their latest cars or whatever. Like, it seems like, a lot of people are getting crazy rich and, and flaunting it. But I think in terms of like, if you actually looked at the amount of numbers of, you know, successful dropshippers versus actual people still doing normal jobs, it's still kind of a relatively healthy figure, if that makes sense. I mean, over yeah. the years, dropshipping's definitely become a lot more relevant to the public. And the reason being is because nowadays you'll see a ton of, not a ton of comments, but you'll see a lot of people comment on, for example, a successful ad and they'll say, this is shipped from China or this is drop shipping. So, you know, whereas when I first started three years ago, like you would pretty much never get those types of comments on your ads just because it, you know, not many people really knew about it. But now that it's been on the news and, you know, there's a lot of articles about it, then people are becoming more aware of it. But yeah, I, I, I understand that. You know, one thing that it re reminded me of, I mean, as I'm asking it out loud, uh, is that a lot of the people who end up getting into dropshipping, and I can say this having spoken to quite a number of people up to this point, it's almost like the the industry does find them more than they find the industry. Like a lot of people, they whatever pursuit that they're in, it doesn't seem to really be working out for them. And then when they turn to e-commerce in broad strokes, suddenly it starts to go very well. Now, granted, I haven't talked to anybody who hasn't succeeded because we're not really bringing those people on the show. Yeah, yeah. So there's yeah. a bit of there, there, there's a bit of a of a stacked deck there, but it's certainly true for you, and I know it's been true for your brother as well, um, uh, Beast of Ecom, who we talked to uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, tell us about your uh, your backstory and how you how you got into e-commerce. So, I remember when I was about I think I was about 18 years old um, when I very 18 or 19 years old. I think I was just turning 19. Um, when I first learned of dropshipping. So my brother, obviously the beast of e-com, he used to go on this website called Black Hat World. I mean, a lot of people watching mm -hmm. may know about it. It's kind of like an online forum where people talk about, you know, how to make money and, and all of those crazy things. And he used to kind of scour it every other day, uh, whereas I didn't have a clue what it was. And one day he kind of come to me and said, look, people have been going on about this dropshipping online. I'm going to try it. And I went, you know, fair enough, go for it. And within a couple of weeks, like he literally learned from scratch just watching videos and stuff like that and piecing stuff together you know losing money testing and stuff and over kind of the first you know few months he kind of gradually got to learn it and as he obviously progressed me being his younger brother and seeing you know some of the numbers he was starting to pull at that time I was thinking yo like I'm literally on my way to university I just completed my kind of first year at university and I was thinking damn like I need to get in on this side hustle so in the summertime mm -hmm. Um, we usually have in the UK, we have a, obviously a summer break. And I think it's from around, I'd say May to around September. So you have like a good few months. As soon as your exams are done, you literally have the whole of summer. Um, and in that time, I went ahead and got my, I got a job at Toys R Us Warehouse. And Toys R Us Warehouse was crazy. I think they've shut down now, but yeah, really, really crazy work, like 10 hours a day just literally on a conveyor belt, scanning items for obviously people who had ordered. Really, really tiring job, heavy trampolines, mm -hmm. whatever. And I got home and I was like, you know what? I decided to just save up money all throughout the summer so that I could obviously start drop shipping. And by this time I'd accumulated, you know, maybe 500 to a thousand pounds. 
And I decided to pretty much just start it. And he kind of showed me the ropes a little bit, how it works. And at first I didn't really believe it. I thought, why the hell are people going to buy online, right? Everyone knows about eBay. Everyone knows about Amazon. You can just go buy the product for, you know, one third of the price. And he thought the same thing when he started, but eventually, long story short, I kind of got into it. And after a few months, I launched a you know, a few products to start with. They didn't really go that well. Um, and then I hit my first winning product. I think it was in like, you know, maybe towards the end of summer, maybe August time or so, um, just before going back to university. And I started to grow. I finally started hitting 1000 pounds um, per day. And it was crazy. It was mind boggling. Like at that age, I'd never ever seen nowhere near that money type of money before. So yeah, I started doing that all throughout university. Um, and then after a while, I kind of got complacent. Like I was finding it hard to really balance exams, revision, um, and also balance, you know, dropshipping, running, running a business. Because at this point, I was running all of my customer service. I was running my ads, running pretty much everything. I was a one man band. And then kind of throughout university, I ended up, you know, staying up late to revise for exams, literally revising the day before. Uh, didn't end up doing that well in them. But in the end, I kind of got through it. And I thought, do you now, you know, you have skills in kind of economics area. So do you want to go into banking or do you want to just pursue full-time dropshipping? And, you know, after, I think maybe two months after university, I just decided to go, you know, after I'd graduated, I just thought, just go full-time and kind of pursue your dream. But yeah, that's that's kind of the story of, of how I got into dropshipping. You know, one thing that I can I can imagine uh, putting myself in your shoes just for a moment is the the difference between somebody in university who is uh, they are focused like 100 percent on their studies and they're doing the, their side job just so that they have the money to keep going for rent and food and all that stuff versus the experience that you're having where, you know, you're making decent money. And you're thinking, well, hold on a second. This is what I'm in school for. Yeah. <laughs> and I've basically already surpassed probably my professor at this point. So that must be a really fascinating experience to like be in school learning how to run a business when you're already not only running a business, but you're running it successfully. And you're at the forefront of a new, uh, of a new way of, uh, uh, of commerce, in, to, to put it in the most fundamental sense. Yeah, it was it was a surreal experience. I mean, when I was in university, like we used to have, I used to have quite a few friends at university because um, I used to just, you know, be quite, a, I'd assume I was a funny guy. I was probably an idiot just saying stupid jokes. But I mean, I had quite a few friends because like I said, I was kind of a people person, you know, the joker of the class. And we used to have library sessions where we'd revise or, or supposed to be revising and everyone else would be revising, you know, a week out from the exam, two weeks out the exam. And I'd bring my laptop to the library with the idea that I was going to revise, but I just sat there running ads. Like I would sit there on AliExpress looking for new products, running new ads, pulling up like random cat products. And people would literally look at me like, bro, we're here to revise. Like, what are you doing? But it was kind of a dream of mine. I thought, you know, if I'm making money now and you guys are not going to make money for another two years once we've graduated, why not start now? And why not make the most of it? So yeah, I just I just carried on, man. And obviously it did have it did have an impact on my exams. Like some nights before my exams, I would start revising one day before, which I would never recommend to anyone who's went to university. I would <laughs> some most of my exams I actually did all nighters for, which is pretty crazy. But I mean, in the end, it you know, it is what it is. And I, I believe everything in life kind of happens for a reason. Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you a, a, a quick story just to because it's very rare that this contrast comes up. And then I'm, we'll, we'll ask you uh, about, you know, your 
your your spread of your endeavors that you're up to right now. Uh, but I went to college for a very rare program called the uh, comedy program. And it doesn't make people funny, but it does identify that people have a sense of humor and it tries to teach them the craft and how to be a part of the industry, uh, like how to set up shows. And uh, there, there's actually quite a, a lot of uh, format that goes into, say, writing a script. And so it was it was quite good. I, I enjoyed it. I was really happy with it. But where you're saying, you know, all of the students were, were serious and focused on what was going on and you're the one cracking jokes. Well, in this program, everyone's cracking jokes, and I'm the serious guy. Like, I, I'm, 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 I'm talking to people like, so did anybody? Uh, so, what, what was the assignment for yesterday? He's like, bro, what assignment are you talking about? Okay, he's a clown. Like, yeah, and, so, and I'm and I'm trying to run like a, a one of our assignments was to put together like a, a, a show, like a sketch show, a bunch of sketches, and I'm being kind of a hard ass because I want to pass, and everybody, everybody actually ganged up on me because I was being a, a hard ass about it. Like, you're the try hard. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So that's just very, very rare that there's uh, that uh, direct contrast, but uh, we'll, we'll move that right along as catharsis for me. So the next thing that we want to make sure that the audience is aware of is just your, your full spread, you know, what you're, what you're up to as well as where you're focused. And I know you already said uh, that you're focused on dropshipping. Let's just make sure we also know uh, you're up to, you've got a YouTube channel uh, around like 18K subscribers, a Facebook page, a community page, um, some mentoring, which I know having talked to you prior that it's not exactly like a main focus uh, and then your e-commerce course. So uh, did I miss anything? And then uh, tell us kind of like how you're involved in each of these facets. Yeah. I mean, once I obviously started with dropshipping, I kind of learned that, you know, it would be good. I thought, how can I kind of help other people? And originally it started off as, you know, essentially just typing up in Facebook groups. I was in pretty much a ton of Facebook groups. And, you know, if anyone had any questions, like not even my own, it wasn't my own group because I didn't have it at this point, but other people's groups, I'd try to respond, you know, if people would say how to scale, I'd, you know, maybe show them how I scaled personally, not that it works for everyone, but you know, it would help them. And from then I kind of thought, well, there must be a way to get, you know, your voice out a little bit further. And then obviously my brother, um, Harry Coleman, he started to set up a YouTube and once his YouTube kind of, I think he'd done it for maybe a year before me or so. Um, and I kind of thought, why don't I just set one up? And the first mm -hmm. video I created, I've actually deleted it now because I couldn't even bear to stand how awkward it was like. And it actually did decent. Like, I think it got like 10,000 10, views or something, but it was the most awkward video. Um, looking, back on it, looking back on it now, if you've never been in front of a camera before, like you freeze up. Like people, anyone who's been in front of a camera, it would be easy for. But if you've not been in front of a camera, you freeze up. You have to do a million takes. Yeah, it's crazy. But now it's, it's very natural. So yeah, I got into YouTube and that kind of started to grow. And along with that, I thought, well, why not set up a community kind of page, a group whereby if anyone has any questions from YouTube, then we can also speak about it in there. So, yeah, I had a YouTube and also a Facebook group, which I'm in. And then after about maybe a year ago, I decided to set up a course as well where people could go ahead and learn, you know, everything It's pretty much a case study. So I took a store from naught to over a hundred K dollars in like 20 days or so. And profitably, it was around 20% or so, which I've got all the metrics in. I show literally everything in there. So the whole breakdown of the course, exactly the store, which it was and the product and everything else. So that was pretty cool as well. And then also, yeah, that is, that's pretty much everything. So dropshipping takes up, you know, maybe 80% of the time, or I'd probably say 70%. And then YouTube takes up maybe, you know, 15, 20%. And then, you know, the mm -hmm. last bit of the time is, is pretty much everything else. You know, I, I can uh, relate somewhat to the, the awkwardness. Like the first podcast that I did, 
while <laughs> I was in college. I have all 120 episodes saved on my hard drive, but they're oh, not public because wow. I just couldn't stand. I, I don't even want to hear the sound of my voice. It was uh, a, a lot higher pitch. And it's just also too about like, you know, changing in personality, learning and growing. But it's it's stored away. So I'm hoping that like when I turn 60, I'll be <laughs> able to like, to, to finally listen to it. But like, yeah, like the first episode that I recorded, uh, I was like, oh, welcome to a uh, comedic cast. Long, long drawn out pause. And my, <laughs> my, the guest ended up running the show because I had no idea what the oh, heck I was doing. Oh man, that's rough. It's rough. Yeah, but uh, it's, 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 been a, it's been a joyous 10 years. The thing is though, a lot of those things, they teach you what you know, man. Like all of these mm -hmm. stuff, like all of the awkward silences you have, all of the failed ads you have on Facebook, you know, all of the PayPal holds and payment processor holds, you get, they all shape you as a person. And, you know, it teaches you one thing or another um, that you can then utilize for the future. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is actually one of the ones that I wanted to, to ask you about, because I know from having uh, researched you is that one of the, I think it was the first store that you set up. It was cat necklaces. Yeah. The cat necklaces, just to ref uh, refresh my, uh, my, my facts here, was, this was the one that didn't pan out. Am I right? Yeah, so the cat necklaces didn't actually pan out that well. Um, and then I think it was actually the colorful cat earrings was my first kind of winning product that did well. <laughs> so, okay, that, that, that puts it together, the picture together in my head. So the, the cat necklace didn't go, but then the no. cat earrings took yeah. off. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I have a calico at my, my parents' house, and it would be a nightmare to put the necklace on her, let alone her, her, her earrings. So... Knowing what you know now, what happened with the uh, the necklace? Why didn't why didn't it take? I mean, at the time, it was my first product, so I had I essentially had no experience writing ad copy. I didn't know how to speak to customers on Facebook. I pretty much had no experience, and the product sometimes a product is so good it can sell itself, right? And you know, when you're first starting out in dropshipping, people do sometimes strike lucky. Like there are people that don't have any copywriting skills, but Sometimes a product is so good, it will literally do the talking essentially for you, right? So no matter what your ad copy is, you know, as long as it's not frigging insulting or anything like that, you know, as long as it's something mm -hmm. basic, but it works, the product can sell itself. And for the first kind of three winners I had, you know, looking back at some of the ad copies now, they were pretty, they weren't the best. There was something like all cat lovers are going crazy for these cat earrings. Like it was literally the most basic ad copy and then a link to my actual store. So it was nothing crazy, very, very basic. But I mean, the first time, I don't think it worked just because the product wasn't that good. It wasn't that appealing. But the second mm -hmm. time, it was actually some colorful earrings that, you know, humans, women would wear. And they actually looked like quite cool earrings, right? I mean, I personally, not my taste, but, you know, everyone's got uh, a taste which they like. So they ended up, you know, selling really well. And that was when I kind of scaled up to my first kind of ever 1K day, um, which was just, yeah, insane. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, congratulations is certainly warranted for that. So congratulations on that. The next one I want to uh, ask you is uh, being pretty massive nerd. Uh, I'm just putting that out there. Uh, whenever I get to talk to somebody who has like an, an avatar or a persona, um, we talked to the Ecom King, uh, your brother, uh, BCVcom, uh, and then you're the uh, Ecom Wizard. Uh, so so where did the, uh, the Ecom Wizard come from? Yeah, so... 
when I was essentially younger, I used to be a big fan of Harry Potter. And obviously Harry Potter is full of, you know, Hogwarts, wizardry, Dumbledore, all that crazy stuff. So um, I used to like that when I was younger, I was a big fan of that. And then when I was kind of growing up and I decided to start YouTube, um, my brother was, you know, one of the earlier kind of YouTube dropshipping YouTubers to start. I think he started maybe three, two, three years ago now. But it's been quite a while and he obviously had the e-com or well, the beast of e-com and he had the an e-com in it. And I thought, I don't really want to diverge too far from that because the sounds good. And obviously I need e-com anyway, because it explains what I'm doing. And I didn't really want to use my name because I just thought that's a little bit boring. You know, sometimes it's good to have a name and, you know, you can kind of brand around it. And then I just decided to have wizard. I thought, why not, man? Just go with wizard and it's kind of over time, people started messaging me saying, yo, what's up, Econ Wiz, or stuff like that. So at first I was like, this is a stupid name. Like this literally looks like a kid's name. Who the hell is going to seriously say wizard? Um, but over time it kind of stuck. And, you know, once people started saying it like here and there and commenting on YouTube videos like Econ, I thought, well, why not? Let's just run it. Yeah. And one thing I will say, uh, speaking as a millennial, is that we're getting to the point where we're going to have to start running things. And uh, I, I, millennials are like the one generation that not only don't uh, mind that, but seem to encourage people yeah. letting, you know, taking their uh, passion from their younger uh, along with them. I, w- I was a Harry Potter fan too, by the way. I used to, every morning for breakfast, I would just read the books. I would, I've read them like a dozen times each, but I, it just became like a tradition for me to just eat breakfast, read books, and then uh, go to school and be miserable for six to eight hours. <laughs> One thing that I found in- intriguing about the two avatars, and obviously this isn't like a, you know, just going to be a show just about you comparing to your brother but or maybe one day we'll get the two of you on to have a conversation together i think that'd be pretty cool yeah that'd be pretty cool yeah so on the one side you have uh, beast which uh, conveys uh, ferocity and and vigor and then you have the wizard which implies power and also a methodical approach to things and now both of you i assume have both of those qualities uh, maybe in, in different quantities but between the two of you are there differences in character in regards to your approaches to the industry? I mean, our approach has always kind of been the same from day one, which is pretty much just to give as much value as we can online, right? I mean, you know, once you kind of do that, the success and everything kind of comes after, you know, if you're genuinely passionate about um, helping people, then that was our number one message to start with. And it still is and always will be, you know, helping people for free, essentially. I know when I was growing up, I didn't have much money myself. Likewise, with my brother, we didn't really have the luxury of you know anything crazy when we was growing up. It's pretty much the basic school needs and stuff like that. And I feel like when you can help people for free, it's it's amazing, right? And mm-hmm. you know the feeling of being able to someone being able to watch a video and then come back and comment, you know what? Damn, this actually gave me results or something. It's a it's a pretty surreal feeling. It's it's really really great. Like it makes you feel good about yourself knowing so yeah that's always been our number one message i mean in terms of the two characters i think they're just two different totally characters we didn't really think too much into it about you know what it would really represent but yeah that's just it i mean me speaking personally i mean i'm probably more of an extroverted person not that i spread my business but i mean like in terms of like people's person um whereas he's probably maybe a little bit introvert than me um if you're comparing us directly but yeah that's probably it the only differences we probably have is probably that he's, you know, probably a little bit more introverted than me. All right. So you're, uh, you're obviously in a really good uh, position these days, 18 K subscribers on YouTube and you know, you're not, uh, you're doing pretty darn well financially. So for our listeners, uh, as much as you're willing to divulge, can you go through your process right now as to uh, how you would get a new product on the market? 
Yeah, so I mean, I'm pretty open with regards to a lot of my product research methods and stuff like that. Like I have a lot of them on YouTube and I feel like, to be honest, finding winning products is more about having the eye, right? Like mm -hmm. we all have the same resources. We all can get AdSpy or Droppoint or the latest software. And to be honest, all they do is make it a little bit easier, right? And you know, also they do make it a bit easier, but at the same time, they're a little bit more saturated products because everyone on the platform is going to be seeing the exact same thing as what you're seeing, right? So, I mean, it's more about learning and training your eye to find a, be able to find a good product than actually, you know, having the latest software or anything like that. And for me personally, it starts with, you know, a particular niche. I like to choose a niche that I'm trying to find a product in, whether it be baby stuff, um, baby and children stuff at the minute is a great, you know, a great kind of niche to go into. It's an, a really evergreen niche because, you know, people and moms and dads are always going to be buying stuff for their children. It's just the way life goes, especially coming up to kind of November Q4 Christmas. Mm -hmm. Obviously, a ton of kind of kids toys are going to go. So, what I would usually do is recently what's been working for me is actually trying to search for products which are untapped. Now, untapped products, they usually take a little bit longer to find and you have to spend a little bit more money. But once you actually find the correct untapped product, you're going to have the lion's share of the pie, right? Because no one's going to have scaled that product before. So we're looking for products which are, you know, potentially new onto the market on AliExpress, or we're looking for products which don't have too many orders. Or if it does have a lot of orders, you haven't ever seen it on Facebook before, or you've seen, you know, maybe only one or two people advertise it. So my favorite tool at the minute is literally AliExpress's dropshipping center. You know, a lot of people will probably be thinking, what the hell, why does a guy use just that? But Mm -hmm. For me personally, it's a great free tool that you can use. It literally sorts the niches for you. So you can, you know, check out baby stuff, pet stuff, home stuff. Um, that's usually my main categories that I'll search into. Then I'll kind of look at, you know, does it have a wow factor to it? You know, is this something you can just go and get on the high street, right? So if I'm trying to sell something like, you know, toenail clippers or something or, or a hairbrush, you can literally go to Walmart or Tesco or wherever you're based and just go pick one up, right? There's no real exclusivity. Whereas if I you're see. trying to find something like um, a really nice lamp that you've never, ever seen before or something like a Christmas onesie that, you know, you've never, ever isn't being sold in any shops, people think, wow, you know, where the hell do you get this from? I've never seen this before. And that way you can kind of gain a customer's attention. That's kind of the first criteria. Does it have a wow factor um, or does it solve a problem? Then once that's kind of been checked off, we'll then move on to, is there enough margins in this product? Because there are loads of products that would work if you were physically producing the product or getting it branded and sent to you. But because we have to factor in Facebook ad costs and stuff like that and advertising it on Facebook, we have to give ourselves a certain margin. And usually for me, that's kind of three times product cost. So if you're having to buy a product for $10 from AliExpress, you don't really want to be selling it for any anything less than kind of, I would say $28 or $27 to $30. And that gives you at least, you know, maybe $10 to $12 to use on Facebook ads. And then the remaining, you know, part of that would be profit. So you're left with, you know, maybe 20% profit, 20 to 30% profit, which is kind of mm -hmm. the industry average for dropshipping. You know, there's one point that you made about going to Walmart that sticks out to me in that when I go to Walmart, uh, I'm, I understand that whatever it is that they're selling, they had to sell enough of it to justify it. So like you say, nail clippers, shampoo, um, electronics, whatever happens to be there is probably about as, as broad reaching or as mainstream as it can get. 
So whereas when I'm online and over time, you know, Facebook has collected quite a bit of data about me, the items that I'm seeing online really are unlike anything that I can find anywhere else. And also, if a store were to attempt to sell these uh, these specific products in a physical location, they'd be annihilated because there's just not, there just wouldn't be enough people within walking distance to justify going to that store. Exactly. Yeah. Great point. Like you've made, they are right. There's a lot of niches and stuff that you can get online that in reality, they wouldn't sell to the mass market. And one of those things I can think of is, for example, the survival niche. So mm. I've had a lot of people that I know of um, sell stuff like, you know, survival, not guns, but like gauges that go on top of the guns or stuff like that, you know, that Facebook will obviously permit, where if you kind of put them on a Walmart shelf, chances are not everyone's a crazy survival fan or, you know, anything. They don't think the world's about to end. But if you put that on Facebook and only target people that are into, you know, World War Z or, you know, whatever <laughs> those types of films are where the worlds are ending and survival niches and, and doomsdays, apocalypses, all of those types of things, you reach a much broader audience and you're still getting that niche down to the people who are directly interested in this product. Yeah, although I will say that uh, depending on where you are, some Walmarts will send sell plenty of... Uh, of yeah, yeah. Money. I <laughs> mean, if you put it in a Tesco over here, like it probably would barely sell. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, no, I know some stores in America would go crazy for that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not too much of a survival nut myself, but I am. Uh, I, I, I do believe in like those food ration packages where you get like a, a week or two weeks supply of food just to just until yeah, you figure out which, which of your parents you're going to go back to <laughs> yeah so your youtube has a lot of uh great videos and what i notice about them is that you take on a lot of different challenges or themes and so i wanted to ask you about some of these and caveat our, our listeners obviously you would want to you would you would be well served to go to the youtube channel yourself to get the full details but i still want to i talk about them a little bit just so that the audience knows what to expect and to get kind of like a a, a general overview of them so one of them uh, which i think our audience would appreciate really hearing about is the uh, 24 hour drop shipping challenge I, I i watched this video in full it you know spoiler alert you can't exactly like nail it in 24 hours, but you were able to get quite a lot done. So can you tell us about, you know, your experience in the 24 hour dropshipping challenge and what was uh, maybe if like people that you've talked to who've done it, like overall, what have been like the best and worst results from it? I mean, with these 24 hour dropshipping challenges, I love, I love personally making them, right? Because mm -hmm they're they're a video that i don't know what's going to happen like these are not premeditated videos i don't already have the results um a lot of the time when i film some of those like 48 hour challenges when i kind of am filming the store build um, and when I set the ads up, I then go to bed and wake up in the morning and then film myself kind of reacting to the results. So I don't know what the results are going to be. And that kind of guessing game is what keeps me going. And I think they're really interesting to watch, right? Because sometimes the way YouTube is going at the minute, uh, for me personally, and kind of e-commerce, YouTube is a platform for entertainment, right? That's essentially what it is. And the thing is the 24 hour challenges provide entertainment, but they mm -hmm. also provide value. So I can show people how I would physically set up an ad copy, the types of videos I would use, the types of product page I can use, but it's also fun because they get to see results that they've never seen that I've never seen before. Also, we can look back on what's happened and say, how could I have done better? And usually in 24 hours, like it isn't really enough to go ahead and set up a successful dropshipping business like overnight, right? 
-hmm. A lot of the challenges, some of the challenges you do see online, like they are edited. People have done the challenges before and stuff like that. So, I mean, I don't like giving people a false narrative to the point where, you know, if I set up this 24 hour store, I'm going to go make $10,000 overnight. Like it's not really, it's not, it's not impossible, but it's technically not the reality for the majority. And obviously it's the majority that serve my videos. So I want to give a realistic view. So if I do lose 50 to a hundred dollars, I'll put that in the video. Um, and I'm quite open with that. So it kind of gives people a realistic view that they can kind of gauge on it, on what they could achieve in 24 hours. And, and some people might do a lot better than, you know, what I did. Some people might do a lot worse, but, um, yeah. Yeah. And for, for me, the main takeaway from someone who, and just to give you like an understanding of like where I'm at, because I'm talking to so many great people and I'm getting great mentoring from Ricky. Uh, it's hard to not want to set up my own store. So my first objective is to just set up one that I can play with like a toy so that I can just learn more of the back end in a, in a hands-on approach. So all that aside, I think the, the greatest takeaway that I had from that video is in less than 24 hours, you can get a store going. It, again, it's, it doesn't it doesn't take off, but it's still. I think for some people who might think, oh, is this going to take me a month before I can get my first store going? Like, yeah, oh, well, it doesn't have to. It can actually be done in a short amount of time, and then with that amount of uh, energy put into it in twenty four hours, you know, you give that another week and then see what happens. And the thing is, yeah, I mean, a lot of people sometimes think like, oh my gosh, setting up a business, this takes forever. I need to learn everything. Like the amount of resources I've seen on YouTube at the minute is great. Like just shout out some YouTubers. I mean, some of Gabriel St. Germain's, he don't really upload no more, but his videos were really, really good. Obviously my brother, the beast of Ecom and also Ari Scherzen. He's got some really good videos, really great, like genuine informative videos, right? Like the amount of knowledge in those videos, you don't need a course. You don't need to buy any course. You don't need to buy any mentoring at all, right? People who buy courses, they just want that little bit of more information. Um, and, and mainly it's all in one place, right? So if you obviously got less money, you'll have to go on YouTube. And sometimes it can be a little bit tedious sorting through information. But if you're someone who has the time to do that, you don't really need a course. Same with mentoring as well. Mentoring gives a little bit more of a one-on-one -on -one feel. But at the end of the day, you don't need any of those things, right? You can literally go on YouTube, type in how to set up a Shopify store. There's going to be someone like me or someone else pop up in the search rankings that has probably done a one product store build from start to finish, which I have before, or a general store build. You can watch the entirety of that video for an hour, you know, 30 minutes, literally stop the video, go and do what it says and, and vice versa. That is your Shopify store set up. Then it will come to your Facebook ads and, you know, you'll go ahead and set up how in most of my 24 hour challenges or 48 hour challenges, I'll show exactly how to set up the ads anyway. And then the last thing is obviously just, well, before that, you'd want to obviously choose a product. And again, there's so many videos on how to find winning products. And it's as simple as that. You know, you're not going to probably make money from day one, but dropshipping isn't about making money overnight. There's pretty much no business out there where you can go and make, you know, insane amounts of money overnight, because if it was that easy, then I'm sure we'd all be millionaires overnight. Mm -hmm. But yeah, really, really good, really, really good videos. And I think, you know, it shows people how they can set up a store, the types of ads they can do. And, and that realistically, you can set up a, a drop shipping store within, you know, a day or two. Um, it doesn't have to take a week. You know, even if you have a full-time job, you can still submit, you know, two or three of your hours at nighttime to that store. And within two or three days, it will still be built and ready to launch as well.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and doing it at night too, I find it has been one of the more effective ways for more of like our, our personal projects. I mean, the way my day is broken down is in the first chunk of the day is more like this this stuff because um, I also do some managerial aspects of uh, to beautify, and then towards the end of the day, what because the body does need to start like winding down. That's when it's a good time to work on uh, sub projects because it's a little bit more about like your own personal involvement, a little bit more of a personal investment, keeps that energy levels uh, consistent, you know, versus like, I, I, if I'll check a message, I'm like, oh, there, there, there's going to be something to look at. And then I'm going to be thinking about it when I go to sleep. So yeah, it, it is yeah. good to compartmentalize in that way. But don't get me wrong, I, I, I do love it here. And I want to make sure that I say that at least once per episode. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's talk about something, uh, something a little bit uh, juicier. In one of your videos, you do a case study of a product that had a 250,000K yield. And this was in 2019. Now, for those of you, take a second. Think about what product this might be. Okay, you got it wrong. It was an electric fruit and potato peeler. Now, they should check out the full video. But to give our audience a start, like how much of an impact did you see coming for this product? Did you know it was going to be 250K? Or did you think, well, this is going to be pretty good, but it sailed past your expectations? No, so I think I think the one you're actually on about was a one that I know a competitor did actually. I think I've actually did I've actually had a pro I think I've got two videos of that. One of them is actually for a product I did myself okay. and made that much. And I think that electric fruit peeler was actually a competitor store. But okay, the I, way think it, I think it was just a potato peeler, but maybe yeah. I, I yeah. Yeah, so the electric fruit peeler, um, I basically I've seen that on my timeline before, and that's that I think that was a competitor's product. But the way you can usually work out people's kind of conversion rates and stuff like that is there's a lot of websites out there. Just as a little trick um, for you guys is before you, if people you used to use Bitly links, they've stopped it now. But when I actually created that video. If they had a bit.ly link in their ad, you would be able to put a plus plus sign on the end and it would tell you directly how many link clicks that actual link has had. And from then, you can usually work out a fair conversion rate of maybe, you know, if you want it to be conservative, maybe 1% or 2%, which is probably a realistic average for most dropshipping stores. Um, and then you can obviously work backwards on the sale price and stuff like that and kind of get a rough estimate of how much they've made with the product. But yeah, really, really successful product. I remember that. All right. So one more uh, challenge I want to ask you about, and for the record, I only have uh, so much time, so I didn't see this video, but there was a, you were doing a quarantine challenge. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. Relevant to our times. Yeah. So, so tell us about that one. That one sounds interesting. So that was actually selling um, a fitness product, right? So in the UK in March, I think it was March or April, we went into a quarantine, which is essentially it's a UK lockdown. You're not meant to be stepping foot outside of your house apart from for essentials, right? Which is literally food, water. I don't even think you were meant to visit relatives unless they were old. So essentially you're stuck in your house. And funnily enough, we're actually doing this podcast one day before we go back into UK lockdown, which is crazy. So, oh, man. yeah, so UK's kind of regressed. <laughs> we kind of progressed. And then with the state of the government, everyone started going out and kind of like going to the pubs and eating out again. Um, and we've actually regressed. So from tomorrow, we're going back into a month's lockdown, <laughs> which is crazy. But yeah, I decided to start that challenge because I thought, what do people need? 
right now what, that they can't get, right? And obviously, I immediately thought of the gym. So I thought, what kind of mm-hmm. is going to be a good product that they can use instead of the gym? Um, I'm not going to say the exact product, but it was a fitness-related product. And yeah, on the first day, it immediately just blew up. We had, I think, about four or five ROAS. Um, and I was targeting a few different countries. So I immediately thought, you know, this can scale up. And from then I thought, why don't I actually just document the progress as we go along and put it on YouTube, right? Because people are going to be able to see me scaling the product and exactly how I would launch product, exactly how I would scale it, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I decided to do that. And we originally started with a few hundred dollars and it ended up turning after about 15 days into over $70,000 in sales, which was super, super cool. Eventually, our payment processes did catch up with us and we had PayPal on our case asking why we were scaling to, you know, five, six, seven K days. But yeah, eventually we sorted it. But yeah, really, really good series, man. And I know a lot of people benefited from that. And if you're watching this now, I do actually have a new series coming, um, but I don't know when this podcast will be released. So it might already be out. You might have already watched it, but I do have a similar series coming along right now. Okay. Uh, I mean, these, these do get released uh, uh, rather far in advance. So uh, l- just let us know what it's called if you have the title for it and uh, we'll, we'll take our chances, I guess. Yeah, I think it's going to be something along the lines of turning a certain amount of money into something else in quarantine or Shopify challenge. It's going to be something along those lines. Okay. Sounds good. One way or another, your, your YouTube channel is certainly worth checking out. So uh, it comes highly recommended. I, I also uh, I listened to your interview on Tech Talks, and and this is a bit of like a a meta comment, but I, I've made these comments before. But you know, I, I try to make sure that like I want to r- listen to other p- interviews just so that I don't accidentally do the same interview. So I'm going to build off a question that they had asked you, or actually, this is more of a point that you had made, which is that some people they're as young as 13 years old, they end up getting at the drop shipping on their parents' credit card, but the point was raised that at that age they might not have a grasp on what they're doing or even the value of money. And you see that happen with like child actors, you know, they don't uh, quite have that experience to understand the resources that they have access to. And then in some cases, the parents just give the money from them, but that's a whole other uh, can of worms. So th- there, there might be one better way to ask this than the other, but I'll say it in either way, which is what would be the ideal age to become a drop shipper? Or what would be the level of experience somebody should have before they get into it? Good question. So, I mean, first question is obviously what age? If I'll answer on both at the same time, age for me has plays no part in anything. I mean, Mm -hmm. age year by year with kind of the generation we're in, there's always something new coming up and it it kind of changes, you know, all the time, right? You see people that are 10 year old, 12 year old and go into doctor degrees like, you know, age shouldn't really limit you to what you can do, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. With regards to experience, I mean, for me personally, you should never start something that you're not well informed of. And the reason being is because you're going to end up making a lot of costly mistakes. And there's no reason to not actually research something when the information is all out there. With that being said, do you have to be a professor or guru or anything in that niche? No. The whole point of setting up a whole dropshipping business is to learn. The whole point of setting up a business is to learn as you go along, right? When I first started, I pretty much, I didn't know much. I knew the basics, but it was enough to kind of get me along. Don't just jump into dropshipping thinking I'm going to make a million dollars overnight. And then you don't make a million dollars and you end up sad, right? You need to still know 
a certain you know basics that it is a long-term game, right? I'm not going to make money now, but maybe in a month, I might hit a winning product or so. So I'd say in terms of experience, make sure you have went onto YouTube and watched some free content on how to find products, how to set up an, a good store, because I see people out there and they come to me and say, bro, can you review this store? And the store is really, really badly built. And, you know, if you've got internet connection to message me and ask me for help, then there's no reason as to why you shouldn't have went and watched a YouTube, a good YouTube tutorial that's got, you know, thousands of views and set up a correctly, you know, a, a nice, decent looking store that people would buy from. So, I mean, I think a lot of the time, some dropshippers, there are a lot of lazy dropshippers, like a lot of lazy dropshippers. And that kind of separ what separates the people who ain't successful and the people from the six-figure dropshippers. And then, you know, a level above that, you have the seven figures and the eight-figures dropshippers. Um, you know, some eight-figure dropshippers that I know, really, really smart people. Like, you know, if you sit and have a conversation with them, you'll learn something every second. But yeah, yeah, it, you know, I would just say in terms of age, Make sure you're obviously using, you know, maybe your own money. You don't really want to be loading money from your parents that young. Yeah. If it's something you're really passionate about, then yeah, I think the younger you get into something, the better because you have more time to learn. You know, if I could have got into dropshipping at 15 years old, I would have because the amount of stuff that I would have known, you know, now I've still learning stuff now to this day and I would have learned a lot more back then. Yeah, that's a good way of, uh, of saying it. You know, I'm on my own trajectory, right? Like I'm on my own journey and. Uh, having gotten into podcasting 10 years ago, it's crazy to me how far I progress in those 10 years. And I, I, I've been pretty, I've been lazy a lot of times along the way. So I think I, I could have like cut it down to like seven effective years as opposed to 10. But even so, one way or another, just the idea of, yeah, getting in there young, that being your, your educational experience, and then seeing where you, where you end up uh, mid-20s, late-20s, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's encouraging for sure. So I think that's a great answer to that question. And yeah, I also agree with what you're saying about age, which is why I wanted to qualify it by also saying experience too, because I think the, the parameters for what people can accomplish at what age change based on life expectancy, because with each generation, they're going to be able to live a lot longer than the previous generation. Like there, were, there was a point where somebody made it to 30 years old and they thought, well, how did I do this? I wasn't eaten by a bear. I didn't, you know, I didn't die of polio. Like it's, things, things do get better and people do live longer. So that parameter changes generation to generation. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like nowadays it's crazy. Some of the stuff I see online, like you know, there's 15 year olds or, or 12 year olds that are a lot richer um, that I've done 10, you know, 10, five, tenfold on what I've, you know, been able to achieve or anything. So, I mean, age at the minute is, you know, age doesn't defy anything. Um, for me, it's all what's up in the head and how you can actually utilize that with, you know, hard work and stuff. Mm -hmm. Excellent. All right. So we're getting close to uh, wrap up time. Uh, so I've got one more, like, this is a personal curiosity of mine. I don't ask people too much about like, team growth and VAs and, and hiring assistants. And so I do want to get your opinion on that. I, so I looked at your e-commerce course and I, I went through the different modules. So the, there is a module on, uh, you know, growing your team and getting uh, additional help. So uh, I, I do want to know about your experience with that and, you know, how I, I assume it's like Fiverr or Upwork.com. So that part I kind of worked out, but I, I want to hear about how you uh, build relationships with people who work for you. Yeah. So. When I first started dropshipping, I had no clue you could even outsource people um, for customer emails. When I first started, it was all a one-man band. And then when I kind of got to about 1K a day, I actually had a best friend 
who I'm still best friends with to this day, he started doing customer service for me. And obviously I'd pay him a daily rate um, as if it was, you know, a full-time job. And eventually it grew to the point where I was paying him a, a lot. I wasn't paying, I was paying him a lot, but I was thinking, you know, surely I can get this cheaper elsewhere. Um, and then my brother was obviously telling me about how you can get VAs on Upwork. So it was kind of a no brainer. And I thought, oh, let me try get Upwork or Fiverr. And he already had a, a set of VAs at that time because his store was growing. So I kind of asked to nick one of his VAs um, and they actually started working. His VA knew another VA, if that makes sense, because a lot of yeah. them are from Philippines. Um, and we ended up getting in contact. And still to this day, about three years ago, yeah, I still have the exact same VA um, that I've been running with. And it's good because over the years, she's pretty much learned to do everything. She can do Facebook comments, upload products, customer emails, all the th- upload tracking to PayPal, all of the kind of customer services or kind of um, labor intensive tasks that you would usually need to do yourself, they can obviously do for a very cheap price. And it's good because she has a small little team in Philippines as well. So, you know, when the obviously workload's quite high, you know, she can obviously delegate tasks to other people around her. And then obviously when, you know, for example, when it's Chinese New Year and you may possibly have to scale down, then, you know, she can obviously just keep the tasks for, you know, herself or one of the person. But yeah, really, really good experience. And I've learned a lot about hiring people myself. It's a really bad decision to not kind of vet your VAs Mm -hmm. because sometimes some of them will leave. You know, for me personally, I look at VAs not as a VA. I look at them as an employee, right? Someone that helps the business and you help them as well. And I've always kind of kept the ethos that if you treat someone well they do treat you well back it's just kind of how i was raised you know i know a lot of people are not like that but at the same time you know when it comes to christmas i usually give out bonuses i sent her wages the other day and i gave out a bonus as well and they literally love it because of course who doesn't like more money and it's more incentive for them to work harder and obviously stay with the company and and vice versa you know, for me, it's not as much money because it's obviously in pounds and, you know, it's translating to like Philippines or, or, you know, US dollars, but it still helps them out massively. And, you know, if you can send them a present or give them a bit of bonus for them to enjoy their Christmas with their kids, you know, it does usually go a long way with people. Yeah. And also just in terms of the, the difference between the currency in, uh, in our countries, uh, I, Canada, you in the UK, and then in the Philippines, is that also... I would say the more a nation is developing, the less overall taxation they have. So the people end up holding on to more of their money anyways. Like I get, I, you know, I get paid pretty well, but I also pay a lot in taxes too, to maintain more of like the, the level of development that my, my country and my province and my city are in. That one, one thing to point out just about how the money ends up in, in their hands. Mm. Yeah, we, we do lose, we, we, we lose that a lot, but uh, it's okay. Uh, we have, you know, we have traffic lights and so it's all, it's all good. Yeah. All right. So uh, I'm going to give you one more, uh, well, two more questions. One is the, the, the traditional wrap up. Uh, this other one is uh, one from your Instagram. It's a philosophical question. It's about execution versus planning. That planning only gets you so far, but execution is what you need to actually succeed. So yeah. where does the philosophy come from in, in maybe in a more pragmatic sense? Where should the planning stop and the action start? I believe in, for me personally, just reading around, there's, you can always have too much of one thing, right? Even if it's healthy, you know, you can always still go to the gym too much, you know, where to the point it becomes unhealthy and it's the exact same with planning, right? You can always over plan for things. And 
you know, a lot of people that are trying to get into dropshipping or new dropshippers, I'll find they tend to plan things um, that they haven't even executed, right? So one question I might get on Instagram would be like, hey man, how do I deal with, you know, payment reserves? I haven't even started and set up my store yet. You're trying to plan for a bridge that you're not even close to, right? You, you have to actually get sales first and then you actually have to scale up before any payment processors come saying, look, we need to monitor your payments and you need to upload tracking and stuff. So, you know, I feel like planning is definitely essential and you do need to plan. You need to go away, you know, do the hard work, do the research on how to set up a store. Once your store set up, you know, execute it. There's too many people out there that will sit there with a paper and pad and say, this is the product I'm going to sell. This is how much I'll sell it for. This is what colors it's going to be. This is the manufacturer I'm going to use. But when it comes to actually running the ads, you know, they don't end up actually running the correct ads or they don't end up running ads at all. It's just all on a piece of paper. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it gets to the point where for me personally, planning is good, but sometimes you do learn best on the job, especially with dropshipping. It's one of those things where you'll learn on the job and, you know, you're going to learn every aspect of a business. You're going to learn how to scale a business with employees. You're going to learn how to use, you know, social media marketing, whether it be Facebook ads, Snapchat ads, Google or whatever. You're going to learn how to find a good product and a lot of stuff that you will learn along the job. But yeah, you definitely have to execute is the main message. Don't just be the person that's you know always banging on about what you are going to do. Just do it in silence. Um, and then, you know, as you gradually get more successful, if you want to spread that out, then spread it. If not, you know, again, keep it to yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, that that brings up one of the uh, probably the, one of the biggest epiphanies that I had learning about how this all works is that when people are putting out advertising uh, on Facebook, that's data collection. So even when you're putting ads out and people think, well, that's the advertisement, I'm trying to sell something. Yeah, that's true. But it's really about figuring out who you're really going to sell it to and how to refine Correct. it into that further. So even in the execution, there's still research happening. There's still more planning. So there's a relationship between those two. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me personally now, it's gone to the point now where I could make a thousand dollars in a day and it would be like, it would be like, you know, whatever. And also I could lose a thousand dollars in a day and it, I, I could also be like, whatever, right? It's happened. I've gotten to the point now where, and this is what I always advise for people is never get emotional in business, right? It's not, I wouldn't say never, but you know, chances nine out of 10, you don't really want to be getting emotional with a dropshipping store. And the reason being is because when people get emotionally attached to a product, they feel like that product will always work. And the chances are it's not a winning product, right? Every, I, I believe every product can be made a winning product, but it depends how much money you're willing to spend, right? There's companies like L'Oreal, Mac that can take any product they like and pretty much turn it into a winning product, right? Because they have a cult following. They can spend so much on advertising and shove it in front of people's faces where people are essentially forced to buy it in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're a beginner of a dropshipper, you don't have nowhere near that capital. So you have to kind of be selective with what products you're going to choose and what products you ain't going to choose. And with that being said, I don't tend to make emotional decisions when it comes to dropshipping stores. And the reason being is because sometimes what will happen is, like I mentioned, if you think a product's a real winner, but it, the data is showing you it's not a winner, if I then go and duplicate it and start to scale the product and it doesn't work, I've made an emotional decision. I've not made a rational decision based on the data in front of me. So that's what I would always recommend you guys, you know, don't get emotional with it. If you lose a bit of money, 
see it like you said you're buying data for future reference you're buying data so that you can see which countries okay which countries worked out of these countries right if i'm targeting worldwide and these certain countries ain't working let me go ahead and exclude it next ad that i create also how many women or men are buying for this product right if there's a lot of men buying it, but not that many women, but Facebook spent a lot of money on women, then go ahead and exclude women for the next ad you create um, for that specific product. So, you know, don't, you know, make decisions based on data given, don't get emotional with it. That's terrific. So, you know, the, the, the last thing that I would wanted to ask was like, A, you know, how people can get involved and uh, if they want to get uh, engaged with you, how to check their stuff out. So uh, we can we can run through that. Then the other side of it too, I wanted to ask if you had any like parting words of wisdom, but you basically nailed that. So if you have any other parting wisdom you want to share with us, this would be the time to do it. But uh, I would say you checked that box pretty darn well. Uh, appreciate it. I would say one thing which is super underrated, and this sounds like so cheesy and kind of like really cliche, is you literally have to believing yourself and like the mindset that you have to have for a dropshipper. I'm not saying it's like the most crazy mindset out there. You know, there's a lot of bigger people out there, but at the same time, you need to actually believe in yourself. You know, there's days where I think to myself, this product isn't going to work. And I, I kind of start some days I've had days before where you do doubt your own skills, right? You think, why did I choose this product? Or, you know, why have I done this for this reason? But you literally every day you need to tell yourself, I can do this. I'm going to find a winning product and I'm going to have a successful store. If you tell yourself that every single day, it's going to manifest itself into positivity, which means harder work, which means better results, right? Whereas, you know, a lot of people are seeing dropshipping They've mastered how to find a product and how to build a nice store, but they don't have the mentality. And what ends up happening is you launch three products and because your mentality thinks dropshipping doesn't work, you then go, that's it. I'm packing up. I'm quitting. Right. And you end up in that pile of, you know, I wasn't successful with dropshipping or dropshipping doesn't work anymore or dropshipping so saturated. Whereas in reality, a lot of people are still making money with it, but because you've got the negative mindset, it's not really going to work. So yeah, mindset for me is a massive thing uh, when it comes to dropshipping because you're always going to be facing problems, ad account bans, payment reserves, supplier problems. I've even heard of people getting ripped off by suppliers before, which is you know, a whole different problem. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of problems that you're going to have to face. And also, yeah, I would just say, you know, do your research. And if you want to check me out, then I do have Instagram. It's at the Econ Wizard. Um, if you'd like to ask me any questions on DMs, then I do try my best to answer to pretty much everyone. And then also YouTube. I'm going to be releasing a lot more content on YouTube because I'm currently searching for a video editor. So, you know, I don't have to spend hours with my lazy editing, which is, you know, pretty subpar, but it gets the job done for now. But yeah, if you want to check me out, it's YouTube and Instagram as well. I, I've, I've seen uh, quite a few uh, YouTube channels through researching for guest to guest. It's it's definitely on formula. So I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't be, beat yourself too much over that. But yeah, it's more than gets the job done. So it's I'll, a fight. Yeah, it suffices for now, I suppose. I mean, it's probably because yeah. I, I watch a lot of YouTubers, like lifestyle YouTubers and um, actual videographer type YouTubers. And some of their stuff is crazy. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm probably in awe of their stuff. Mm -hmm. I had an epiphany while I was uh, listening to your wisdom, and one of the one of our principles here at uh, Debutify is uh, transparency and honesty. And so, we were recording this, and then I had a power surge, and so we uh, had to start over. And you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, Otis here, um, very chill, uh, 
totally just you know waited for me to come back and uh, he only heard like a, a little bit of me uh, swearing profusely um <laughs> he, he missed the full serenade but but the thing is people if you're worried about things going wrong that can eat away at you for weeks you know what's better is to actually experience what goes wrong and to deal with it yeah. head on because that is more of a relief to see what really can actually happen, how things can actually screw up and how you deal with it. Because rather than constantly being worried and being trying to be prepared for it, if it just happens, then you deal with it and then you know what to do to go deal with it. Yeah, no, that point is, I can't, can't stress that enough. Like, yeah, fully enough, actually a quick story. Yesterday night, I was just launching, I'd spent, I'd literally spent all day launching ads because it's the end of the election a lot of cpms are kind of suspected to go down and obviously we're in q4 so i ended up spending pretty much most of the day at my computer getting products ready and literally about two hours before the ads were due to go live my ad account was actually put on disabled for suspicious payments because basically i'd essentially maxed out on my amex for the day because we were spending quite a lot and I had forgot to actually pay it off in the day. So they ended up, Amex basically rejected the payment and then that told Facebook. So Facebook immediately disabled my account and put it on um, hold for like, I don't know, suspected payment issue or something. And that was basically a whole day's work gone, right? My ads didn't end up going live at 12 and I was really annoyed. I'm not gonna lie, I was really, really annoyed. But after about an hour ago, I just took it on the chin. I said, it is what it is. I've learned from it. I now know to pay my Amex off mm -hmm. in the daytime. And that that was pretty much the end of it, you know? And I went up and set it up, set up most of the ads on a separate ad account. Um, and some of them did go live actually, and actually doing decent. So it just, you know, it teaches you, if it is, if you're stressed or you get something, you know, bad happen or unfortunate happen, you know, you can be angry for five, 10, 30 minutes, but, you know, after an hour, just take a deep breath and, and move on from it. Excellent. Well, guys, uh, I think that is quite enough uh, wisdom for one day. So uh, Otis, once again, thank you for your time and for uh, for imparting us on your, your knowledge and experience. Thank you for having me, man. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure. Really good to actually sit and vibe um, with someone as well and get on as well. But yeah, really, really nice and insightful podcast, man. I hope people enjoy it. And uh, thank you again for having me. And thanks to you as well. All right, everybody, we'll check in with you soon. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you, so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at Debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.